again, and we will begin. In Jesus' name. We love you, Father. We honor and praise you, Father. We glorify you, Father. We thank you for all that you are doing and have done. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, Father, by your grace, we receive grace and peace from you today, Father. Even from our Lord Jesus Christ. By your grace, enable us to enter into the presence of your Spirit. And into the Spirit of revelation that we might receive what you would desire to say to us today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. If you could put on the screen for me, please. Ephesians 1, you just remain standing, we're just praying. Ephesians 1, chapter uh, Ephesians 1, verse, beginning with verse 17, please. We're praying this. We're praying this every session. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That the eye, next verse, please. That the eyes, uh, stay with me now. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. That you may know. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the authority of the office given unto me, in Jesus' name, I pray upon you that are in this building, that are watching online, that will watch this archive. I pray on you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the complete and whole knowledge of Him. That that revelation might shine light on the understanding of your heart. That you might know what God would have you to know so you can be and do what God would have you to be a part of. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive it in Jesus' name. Praise God. You may be seated. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I think you should be able to quote this. Now unto him that is able to do, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Next verse. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages World without end. Amen. Now, I, I, I don't mean to be rude or offensive here, honestly. That's, I got better things to do than stand up here for th- four days and offend you. I'd rather be at home in my sweatpants, with my, in my recliner with my feet kicked up, reading. I, 
I got better things to do. That's not what this is about. But just between me and you, I am so deeply disturbed how far below these two verses we are living. And before the Lord began to show me the things that He has over the last few months, I blame that on me, on us. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? What, what are we not doing right? What, what, are, we, what, what are we failing? Are we, not, are we not praying enough? We're not fasting enough? We're not studying enough? What are we not doing? But now I understand it's not a matter of what we're not doing. It's a matter of His timing. Because I, I, I can't tell you how excited I am. He, he, he has almost never let me do what I'm about to get to do today. I, I'm serious as I can be. I, 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 when, 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 when this came to me this morning, I said, really, you're you really going to let me do that? Really? Wow. And when, as we begin to talk about this, the revelation of God's mystery, you and I will begin to see that it is the revelation of the mystery that produces Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. You cannot achieve that on your own. You know, Joshua and Caleb were, were really good examples for us. Because they did not go into the promised land on their own, even though they had the faith to do it. They didn't do it. They stayed with the body. They understood it wasn't the plan of God for individuals to go off on their own and do something. They knew that it was the plan of God. The promises were made to the body, not to individuals. And any promise that you believe God has given you that makes you independent of the body didn't come from Jesus. Woo, that's a revelation. Somebody needs to mark that down. Any promise God has given you, any direction God has given you, that, that makes you independent from the body of Christ. I'm not talking about an organization. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Is not from Jesus. Because the promises have, are made to the body. The only issue is whether or not you and I are going to be in that body so we can participate in the promises. That's the issue. That's the issue. Are we going to be positioned to be able to participate in the body so that we can participate in the promises? And it is the revelation of the mystery that produces the faith that opens the door for these verses to be fulfilled through our lives. I remember years ago, 
we were, my wife and I have came to this city uh, on September the 12th, this past September the 12th, with 43 years ago. There was nobody here. No apostolics here. There was no welcoming committee. Uh, there was nobody here to help us pray. It was nothing, nobody. In fact, our welcome that day was I tried to hire this little cottage, uh, rent this little cottage uh, so we wouldn't blow what little funds we had on a hotel. And this guy said, what are you doing here? Uh, he said, uh, I said, well, I'm, I'm here to start a church. He said, don't you think this area has enough of those? That was my welcome. L- literally, that was my welcome. And... <laughs> The Lord blessed us. Without getting into it, a lot of good stuff happened, and every bit of it, every major event in our church, in the history of our church, every major step forward in the history of our church has always been directly connected to a season of spiritual warfare. I don't have the time to go through all of that today. Maybe he'll let me. But every single major Step forward, including the first breakthrough we had. I received the Holy Ghost in a church in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, that's the only. My dad was in the Navy, so I went to church all over the United States by the time I was 18. My mother was attending United Pentecostal Church when I was born. And so I had this experience in the United Pentecostal Church all over the country. And I'm a, I'm, I study people. I watch. Always. And once I got the Holy Ghost, I was able to study on two levels, with the eyes and with the spirit. And, and even as a kid, I would sit there and see what was going on and go, that doesn't make sense. I remember being in my mother's church, a little church in the country in northwest Florida, sitting there with sinners in the house and them doing a penny march for missions. And I remember as a 10-year-old kid thinking, is that really all that matters to us, whether or not we reach the lost, is we're having penny marches for missions. And then with sinners sitting there needing to be preached to, there was about 15, 20 minutes out of that service that was used up for each person that had a birthday and each person had an anniversary, and it wasn't a big church. And then they would come up and they would drop pennies in while everybody counted up to their birthday or the number of years of their anniversary. And then individually we would sing the song, Oh, happy birthday to you, oh, happy birthday to you, may you feel Jesus near, near every day of the year. Or, oh, happy anniversary to you, oh, happy anniversary to you. And we would do this. And I remember sitting there as a 10-year-old kid thinking, these people don't care anything about these sinners. They've got customs that are more important to them than these lost people. The only church I was ever in like this was the church that got the Holy Ghost in. That church, the young people were the altar workers. The adults sat back. They didn't even come to the altar to pray for people. So I got the Holy Ghost on the, on the Sunday night after my 12th birthday. The next Sunday night, I'm in the altar praying with people. I thought that was normal. I was praying people through within weeks after I'd received the Holy Ghost. I didn't, I, I didn't know there was something strange about that. I thought that was what everybody was supposed to be doing. 
So I'd been praying, and, and we came to this town. I, I was 24, my wife was 19. I'd been praying people through the Holy Ghost for 12 years. My specialty was to go to churches where they had chronic seekers. And that's who I would target. Because you couldn't, if you can't pray the chronic seekers through, you can't have a breakthrough. I'd go places where people have been seeking for the Holy Ghost 20, 25, 30 years. I'm a kid. Would pray these people through because it was normal to me. I couldn't imagine somebody seeking for the Holy Ghost not receiving it. So we came to this town, and in 15 months, we couldn't pray anybody through the Holy Ghost in this town. We prayed. I did everything I knew to do, prayed everything I knew to pray. Repented of everything I knew to repent of. Because surely there must be sin in my life. Because I can't pray these, these people can't get the Holy Ghost here. And the first one was a backslidden Marine of all things. You, you have to, I don't have time to give you the background on that, okay? <laughs> Suffice it to say, I was in the Navy, right? Anyway. He was a backslidden Marine from Missouri. And he was stationed here. And he wanted to pray back through. I mean, this wasn't even a brand new person. He'd already experienced it once. We couldn't get him prayed through. Imagine how excited and frustrated I was when we took him to a rally in some other church and prayed him through easy. And then the first sinner person to get the Holy Ghost, we couldn't get her prayed through. She was so sweet. She wanted so bad. It wouldn't work. We took her, Brother Ari Johnson. This was 1971. Brother Ari Johnson was doing a Holy Ghost seminar, teaching how to receive the Holy Ghost in Alexander, Virginia. We took her over there. She got the Holy Ghost in moments. And I'm going, what is wrong here? And God... Let me come across the tape of Brother Billy Cole talking about going to Thailand and baptizing all those non-apostolic preachers over there in Jesus' name and none of them getting the Holy Ghost. And they'd baptize thousands of people and none of them got the Holy Ghost. And he was greatly disturbed about this, so he began to pray and ask God what was going on. And the Lord said, you haven't defeated the prince of Thailand. So he and his wife, according to his testimony of faith, they went on a seven-day fast and interceded for seven days. And on the seventh day, an, an, an anointing of authority came on him, and he bound the prince of Thailand, defeated, because he, it commanded him to loose the, uh, uh, the, the loss of that, that nation, and he rebuked the blindness that was on them, and he, and he loosed the Holy Ghost to be poured out on them. And the next meeting they had, they prayed every one of those preachers through. Well, I said... I said, if, it, if God's no respecter of persons and that worked for him, it's going to work for us. So the last weekend of November, what well, last week of November 1971, there was, there was seven of us, including these two that got the Holy Ghost someplace else. I was thankful for them, but they just were in my face all the time, you know. What is wrong with us? So we had a little Cape Cod style house. It looks like well, Cape Cod style. It looks like one story, but the attic's finished because the walls come up about three feet. And and the uh, all anyway. So seven of us were up there praying. 
couple of people that were there temporarily, and they helped us pray. We fasted straight through seven days. Back then, I didn't even know that was a big deal that saints would cooperate and fast seven days straight. I just expected it, and they did it. Amazing. I guess our expectations of people is what's low. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Right. On the, we, we prayed. I didn't know what to pray for. Nobody, I never even heard of this stuff before. I, after I read, heard uh, Brother Cole's tape, I went to the scripture and found it was in there. The verses he quoted, they were in the book. Nobody had ever preached to that to me. Nobody had ever taught that to me. So we're praying. And I didn't know what to expect. On the seventh night, this anointing of authority came on me. And I spoke to the prince of Annapolis and commanded him to loose the, the souls of the, our city. I rebuked the blindness that was on them. I commanded them to be free. And I loosed, I, don't hang me. This came out of my mouth. I prayed it worked. I loosed the Holy Ghost and the angels of God to go throughout that city. Lead us to the hungry. Lead the hungry to us. And give us an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The next weekend, we prayed through three people in our building. It was so easy. It was scary. This is December, holiday seasons, when we had our first breakthrough. We prayed through 11 people that month, baptized nine of them, because two had already been baptized. From zero to that. We had people get the Holy Ghost get baptized every month for over three years. So, every major event... Every major advancement in this church has been connected to a specific season of spiritual warfare. It's just comical and sad to hear the mental gymnastics some people have gone through to try to explain what has happened here. Well, it's because he was in the military, or it's because he's smart, or this blah, 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 blah. Give me a break. I know why it's here. Because we have had simple faith and done what the book said. And God's honored it. God's honored it. But even with all of that, I mean, there's just verses in this book. That challenged me no end. I just can't, I can't accept that. And, and, I don't know what the deal is. I, I fussed with him about it, but he doesn't listen and he won't change it. It seems like ever since I first started preaching, he was determined to tell me stuff to say that, that wasn't the stuff people wanted to hear. It's like, can't, how about one out of a hundred? Can I preach something people like? I don't know why that is. But I know what's stirring inside of me. And I am so much in despair. From a human perspective. Before these revelations. So much in despair. Over where the church is. 
and what it is denigrated to. Living for God for us is just coming to church and preaching eloquent messages and having good services and feeling goosebumps. And that's the sum of the majority of what most people's focus is as a Christian. Just making it to the next church service, preaching as good as you can and having as good a singing as you can have so people are entertained enough to stick around and preaching as, as eloquent a message as possible so, so people are entertained enough or stirred enough to stick around. I'd like for somebody to show me the verse where preachers are called to have church, called to lead church. I'm not saying... It's not a part of what we do. But it was never anywhere close to the focus of what we were called to do. But it is the focus of ministry today. The whole focus of ministry today is just to get ready for the next church service performance. It's not, we do, we, you know, the, 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 the worship leaders... There's nobody down seeking God to find out, okay, who, I say nobody. I, that's probably an exaggeration, but it's not enough to make any, a, a difference in what I'm saying, okay? You know, God, what songs do you want sung tonight? Or do you want any singing tonight? No, no. Oh, this one's really awesome. This is a great song. Let's practice this one's really good so we can impress everybody with this new beautiful song. Oh, that glorifies Jesus, doesn't it? That's what this is all about, right? Folks, the lost are going to hell. And the people that were preordained by God before the foundation of the world... To be the conduit through which he would work to preach the gospel of his efforts by being crucified, buried, resurrected, ascending into heaven and sending back the Holy Ghost. The people that are charged with the responsibility to make that the focus of their life, to communicate that to every creature, is just concerned about preaching the latest, greatest message that somebody might hear about and invite you to preach in a conference somewhere. Or maybe my musicians will get good enough, we'll get it be the ones invited to lead the worship at some district function. You're kidding me, right? Kidding me. That's apostolic Christianity? That's all it is? Oh, yeah. You know what? There he is online. The first in a series of books that I'm... Studies that I'm doing on holiness. First one's on hair. And before you think this next statement is a statement of compromise, then you better read the book. 
you'll find out how strongly I believe in separation. Biblical separation. Not some convictions some guys had and turn it into doctrines for everybody else. But what the book says separation is. But we have, we have dumbed that down so far that it's just a bunch of rules. And as long as people, I don't, I can't believe I'm on this right here. This is not what I wanted to do. That, that's not what, this is not what you said I was going to get to do. What is the deal? Oh, God. I brought them, see? <laughs> okay, 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 okay. And so much of the motive, it may not be the conscious motive, but the subconscious motive, is to teach and preach that stuff so that we're not embarrassed in case one of our friends stop by and, they goes, and then goes and gossip and tells somebody else that we are compromising. We don't have anybody that doesn't dress holy in our church. Boy, what an indictment. That means you're not reaching anybody. That means you're not praying anybody through if your whole church looks like it's supposed to look, then you are in serious trouble with God. You want to know what a church believes? Just check its platform out. I don't care what the preacher says he believes. What he lets on his platform in public ministry, that's what he believes. Oh, but we needed a bass player. and I know he's not quite there, but we're trying to hold on to him. And while... Do you, oh, God have mercy. This is tonight's message here. You'll have to hear this again. Do we even understand what music and singing does? It sets the spiritual atmosphere in a building... So that all ministry can take place from there. When the people involved, and this is where our folks are, when the people involved in doing that don't even believe in what you're doing, the spiritual atmosphere they're setting, you can't do anything with. You'd be better off singing off-key a cappella than having the best musicians and singers going. If the spirit they're introducing into your church is contrary to what God is wanting to do. This is not an exaggeration. This is just how strongly I feel about it. It's almost more critical to a church service than what God wants to do in that service. The spiritual condition of the people that starts us off. Than even the condition of the preacher. Because it doesn't matter how spiritual the preacher is. If they've messed it up before you can even get to it. 
I don't care how much you pray and study, preacher. If you people put people up there to introduce and lead your... We enter into His presence through what? Singing. Enter, enter, Enter into His presence with singing. We enter into His course with praise. Praise, worship, and singing. That's what brings a group of people into His presence. And the act of singing is is the first step of unifying us so that we can get in His presence because the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. So He can manifest Himself in His people so that He can be glorified because of what He does through His people. But if the singing doesn't take us into His presence, then everything else you try to do in that service just falls dead at best. So I've lived with this churning inside. Burden. God, how'd your church get like this? I don't care what they look like. If, if inside they're dead, if inside they don't have any concept of ministry and mission and purpose and your plan, if they don't, have, if they don't understand any of that, how, what good is it if they do everything else well? I don't mean to be offensive here. And if there's anybody here that's into this, I don't know it, but Jesus does. We are going to market our church. How about if, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. How about that marketing plan? Huh? Huh? You, you only have to market churches that don't lift him up. That's what you got to market. You market concerts. You market ball games. And you market churches that don't have enough God going on in them that He draws people to them. Oh, there's some folks watching online now that are upset with me. Tough. That's too bad. You've come under the spirit of religion of our day. It's nothing but flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And here is the thing that's so amazing to me. Something can start out in the spirit and end up in the flesh. But there's no biblical precedent for something starting out in the flesh and ending up in the spirit. It doesn't work both ways. The Lord is ready for His church to fulfill 
Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. He's ready. He's ready. Are we ready? Are we ready? You know, <laughs> it, 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 I'm not saying it's going to be like this every day. And it's, it's the most amazing thing that started this for me. Brother Greg Godwin has been a friend of our family and has been very effective in ministry in this church over the years. And he was here and ministered for us and spent Fourth of July week with us. And uh, it was on Tuesday. I think Fourth of July was on Thursday. So this would have been July the 2nd. We're eating. And he ruins my meal. He says, uh, Bishop, you have a Twitter account? Yeah. He said, are you using it? I said, for what? Literally. For what? He said, so God's not giving you anything? Yeah. And you don't think anybody in this whole world wants to hear any of that? You're kidding, man. There's nobody out there who wants to hear this stuff. And then he knew how to push my button. He said, I dare you. And if you try it and it doesn't work, then I'll shut up. I said to Greg Godwin, you are on. And he was right. Well, I'm a teacher, and you can't teach in 140 characters. And he said, now, Bishop, don't, don't send out too many tweets at once. I said, Greg, I can't say anything in 140 characters worth saying unless I can string a few together so I can somehow make the point. He said, Bishop, I'm telling you, it, 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 folks aren't up for that. I, well, then, Good. I can stop. But the problem was, when I started tweeting, it opened a door for the flow of the word in my life. It's never been there before. About three weeks into that, my wife says, next time I see Greg Godwin, I'm going to kill him. I don't know what he's done but it's all you do. I got pages in my iPad of stuff that still hasn't been tweeted. Pages. Pages. Well, about a m- month into that, I'm really frustrated because it's not working like... This, this isn't, doesn't get it. It's got to be a better way than this. So I called Brother Adam Breckenridge here who's a Facebook guru, or at least compared to me, he is. And I said, what, what is that deal with that page you can get where people like it? Because I'd been at five, I, I don't, didn't do Facebook either. And I had 5,000 friends, literally. And uh, you know, I, I wasn't doing Facebook, so I didn't care. So people were sending all these friend requests. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next thing I know, I'm at 5,000 friends, and I'm thinking to myself, 
Why? What? I don't ever say anything. It's nobody's business when I get up and go to bed. I'm really not interested in, 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 in posting pictures of the dessert I'm about to eat. I mean, I, I can understand the world doing that, but honestly, an apostolic has got nothing better to say to the world than this is the dessert I just ate. If the shoe fits, you might want to take it off. I mean, the Bible says, let everything you do and say be unto edification. It's not edifying to me to know what restaurant you're sitting in. I could care less. I mean, if you need me to, to, to like the fact, click like because of the restaurant you're in, or post some stupid comment about this restaurant you're in for reinforcement of yourself, you need a prayer meeting someplace. You need, you need a prayer meeting. So needless to say, my opinion of Facebook wasn't, still isn't all that high. But he says, oh, uh, you know, the, the number of likes isn't limited. On, it's, it's a business page. They call it a fan page. But even Facebook is phasing out that terminology. Now they don't talk, call them fans. Facebook only calls them likes for the most part. There's no limit on it. And can people post stuff back? Not, not unless you want that, what they post to be seen. So it's not a blog, no. So I don't have to argue with anybody, no. I just put on there what God has given me, and whether they like it or not, so be it. Yes. Okay, let's do it. So he set it up, and I started on the 8th of August. This morning on the way to church, I'm at... Uh, 38,700 plus. And uh, 32,000 of them are from outside of the U.S. And I'm sitting at my computer. With tears streaming down my face. Because I have sought God for how to participate in preaching the gospel to every creature. And I'm sitting there doing it. I'm preaching the gospel to places in the world I've never been and, don't, and hope to never go. Not like you, Brother Amos. If a country doesn't have a Burger King, it's not a developed nation. And, I, you know, God did not give me a missionary stomach nor system. And... And I've gone places and guys said, oh, we want you to eat our food. Wonderful. I'd be happy to eat your food. But I would like to know who's going to teach a seminar. Well, you are. No, no, I'm not. If I eat your food, I'm going to be in the hotel room. So who's going to teach a seminar? 
They quickly decide that me eating their food is not near as important as they started out thinking it was. Because I don't have a system that can do that. I can't. I can't do that. I've tried it a couple times and paid the price. No way. No way. No way. Hey, you talk about awesome. I can sit at my computer in my sweatpants with no shoes on, no socks on, and preach to the world. How good is that? That is good. That's awesome. What? What is it? 39,180. So probably by noon we should be over 40,000. Hey. Oh, God. You know what spiritual warfare is about? It's about changing the focus of your church and your life from us to Him and then to them. Off us, onto Him. And then to them. We need to pray here for just a moment. There's something happening in this room. That's what this whole call to war is about. It's allowing the Spirit to take all of our focus of Christianity and faith and study and take it off of us and put it on to Him. And allow Him to put it onto them. That's what it's about. We didn't come here to learn how to tap dance with the devil. We didn't come here so we could join the 70 and say, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through Thy name. We didn't come here to learn how to rejoice over the fact that devil's got to listen when we speak. That's not what this is about. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God. This is about, oh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for every person in this room, for every person watching this live stream, for every person that will watch this video on live stream or archive, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the authority of the office put upon me, I bind the spirit of religious tradition. I bind the blindness caused by the spirit of religion. I command it to loose us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the light of the revelation of the truth of God into our hearts, into our minds, into our lives. I command us to be set free. Be set free in the name of Jesus. Be loosed in the name of Jesus. Be free. Rise up, Holy Ghost. Rise up, truth. 
Rise up faith. Come on, come on, come on. This isn't a seminar. This is an encounter with Jesus. We'll teach when he says teach, but we're going to pray when he says pray. Come on, come on. Let him do something for you right now. Let him set you free right now. Let him, let him allow you to go home different if for no other reason because you're no longer under the influence of the spirit of religious tradition. In the name of Jesus. 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 Be free. In the name of Jesus. Be loosed. Receive the spirit of truth. Receive the spirit of revelation. Receive the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life that He may make Himself known to others through your life. That's the call. That's the purpose. That's the plan. Receive it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Be free. In the name of Jesus, be free. Come on, come on, come on. Pray. When it's time to do something different, I'll tell you, don't slow down waiting for me to do something different. I'm trying to follow the Holy Ghost here. You're not going to miss it when it's time to do something else. You that are here, especially in this building, you made an effort to come here. You took time out of your life, out of your schedule. You spent money to get here. Make that investment count. Make that investment count. Some of you took off from work. Some of you use vacation days. Some of you losing money because you're here. Make that investment count. In the name of Jesus. 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 He tahalorororobukurata tatabahaya. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. 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 Ikata halarororobokoratatatabahaya. Ikahalaratatatababahaya. My God. My God. <laughs> Woo! My, 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 my. 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 Those of you that are watching this, stop watching. Pray. You may not be in the building, but you don't have to be a spectator. Receive. The Holy Ghost is there. God's not limited to this place. Otherwise, why bother watching? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Please, please don't insult Jesus by telling him or, or, or conducting yourself in a way that you believe he blesses efforts to put people in the seats so you can grow a church. Church growth, what a joke. Excuse me. What a perversion of the scripture. Church growth. I'll tell you how to grow a church. Except a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. That's how you grow a church. Without me, ye can do nothing. That's the principle of fruitfulness. That's how you grow a church. Not by all these methodologies and stuff. I believe in structure. There's a seminar online for you to watch. There's a syllabus if you want to have it. I believe there has to be a structure. But my God, help us. Jesus, help us. This isn't about getting bigger so we get invited places. So we got more money to take more vacations. So we can build the nicest building in town so people will come to our building. I still have people in the community ask, what's going on with your building? When are you going to get to build your new sanctuary? I don't know, sir. You, I had a guy ask me that in the line the other night after church in Safeway. I said to him, I don't know, sir. you have to talk to the county about that. I don't know. Well, aren't you worried about it? 
Brother Whaley, am I worried about it? No. When he's ready for us to have something else, he'll make it happen. Until then, his plan and purpose has got to be the priority. We used 22 different buildings in the first 12 years in this city and had amazing growth. The day we moved into this building, the original building on this site, January 1983, was the day it became hard. The facility didn't help us. It slowed us down. We prayed a thousand people through in a warehouse. It was really hard. It, you know, it's a lot harder to pray people through in a church building. Because when they walk in a building that's obviously a church, their expectations become religious. Changes every bit of the expectations. We're not moving out of here. That's not the issue. I love Jesus. And he is, he, he loves proving to me he's in control. Because I've been up early this morning praying about this, these two sessions today. He didn't give me a whiff of this. Not the first whiff of it. Amen. Jesus, help us. Come on, the Holy Ghost is trying to do something in this room right now. I, I got 30 pages of notes, 31 pages, 41 pages of notes laying right here. I'm not lacking for something to say, but the Holy Ghost is trying to do something right now. Come on. Come on, let's pray. It's not about noise. It's not about movement. It's about how deep you communicate with Him in your spirit. Is your mouth involved in prayer or is your will involved in prayer? Have you gotten your, the depth of your being involved in that prayer yet? Are you involved in it yet? Are you involved in it yet? My Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Hear me, hear me. Keep praying, hear me, hear me. You think the price is so high, but like I said last night, when you think you're giving up so much, you're missing completely out on what you're getting back. I started to say this a while ago. I don't, I, I, I'm not assuming that every day is going to be like this the rest of my life. I'm sure there will be days that the will of the Father is for me to do something else other than sitting in that cave of mine called an office on the third floor of my house in the attic without any windows. Sitting there with that computer, talking to him, studying, letting him lead me where to go, him showing me stuff, me talking. I, I'm sure there will be days that, that that will not be what I do. But for the last three months, no, yeah, most of the last three months, six, eight, ten, twelve, some days fifteen hours, 
I sat there, didn't even know how long I sat there till I tried to get up. Well, you you weren't going doing this, yeah. I sat there till the weather went from hot to cool and warm again and back to cool. I went there, sat there with it raining outside me, not even knowing it. I I sat there while the leaves started changing and you know. There's been a couple of days, I guess the Lord put this on my wife's heart because I felt total liberty to do it. She said, uh, go for a ride with me. Let's look at the leaves. Well, amen to that. So we just went riding and, and ate together. Spent a little time with her. And I, you know, so I know that he doesn't expect me to sit there. But I thought if he'd said, I want you to do this. I'm going to go, wait a minute, That's this is not right, this is not fair. But you don't understand something. That's where I want to be. Because it's the most intimate fellowship I've ever had with Jesus. And the fellowship with His wisdom and His knowledge and His mystery is the most awesome thing going. It's just awesome. The point I'm trying to make here is this. While you're counting the cost on what you're going to give up. If you say yes, because you don't know what's... The check is blank, you understand? You're signing a blank check that says, fill it out, Lord. You want what He's got for you? Sign a blank check and give it to Him. Well, what if He writes it out for more than it, that's in my account? Then He'll supply the difference before He cashes the check. Because He never asks of us what we don't have to give. Never. I don't have to worry about the Lord saying to me, give me a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars. If He said that to me, I'm going to shout, I'm about to get a blessing. Because if that's Jesus telling me to give a million dollars, He's going to have to give me a million dollars for me to give it. He's not asking what I can't do. He's not asking you what you don't have to give. He's just asking for you. You. Oh, Lord. That's the most amazing thing. He just quoted my prayer every day. I'm being as honest as I can be. He just quoted my prayer every day. The Holy Ghost just told you how I pray every day.
I want to love what He loves. I want to hate what He hates. I want to go where He's going. I want to say what He says. I want to do what He's doing. I want to be a part of Him. I want to be a part of His life. I want to be a part of His plan. I want to be a part of His purpose. I want to be a part of His kingdom. I want to be a part of Him. I don't, I don't just, I, I don't, I don't just want Him in me. I want to be in Him. I don't want just Him to fill me up. I want me to be a part of filling Him up. I want to be a part of Him. I committed this meeting to Jesus. Been committing this meeting to Jesus every day for months. Lord, whatever you want to do, that's what we're going to do. Whatever you want to say, that's what we're going to say. I'm not going to try to force it to go what way I think it ought to go. Whatever you want to do, that's what we're doing. And right now we're praying. Because the Holy Ghost is calling you and I to make a decision. Are we going to continue to play at this? Work Him into our schedule? Invest a few hours a week in church so that we can run the rest of our lives? Do our thing the rest of the time without even consulting His will for our lives for that day? The man Christ Jesus did one thing and one thing only every day. He got up from the moment his eyes opened in the morning. He sought the will of his Father. And that was his goal all day long every day. Whatever his Father willed, that's what he did all day. There were days he took naps. Because that was the will of the Father. There were days he got alone and just rested. Because that was the will of the Father. My God, my God, my God, my God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. In the name of Jesus. 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 My Lord. My Lord. My Lord. That was his only goal. That was his only time priority of the day. You talk about time management? That was the man Christ Jesus time management course. That was his principle. Easily taught. One, one, one principle in the Lord Jesus Christ time management course. Seek the will of your Father and do it. That's the, that's the way he ordered his life every day. Seek the will of the Father and do it. Seek the will of the Father and do it. My God. My God. My God. My God.
ikataba hasata tahaya hilo rubuku shata ha come on come on some of you are not used to tuning into the spirit at this depth come on ask him say help me Jesus help me help me not to miss what you're doing help me not to miss what you're saying help me not to judge by what I see or what I, my flesh may be feeling help me to, to, to judge righteous judgment deep calleth unto deep deep calls unto deep Deep calls unto deep. Deep calls unto deep. The Lord doesn't swim in shallow waters. You want to fellowship with Jesus, you got to be willing to get deep. When you fellowship with the depth of God, the simplest statement you make to a sinner will have such depth behind it they'll feel it. When you fellowship with the deep things of God, the simplest little old statement will communicate to that sinner such a depth of the love of God, such a depth of His compassion, such a depth of His ability to change their lives. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. My God. Come on, I'm speaking to you in this building. You didn't come to this meeting expecting to go home different. I can't believe that. There was too much prayer went into this. There's no way God allowed you to come to this place if you didn't come here expecting to leave different. God wouldn't have let you come. I prayed. If you're here, even if you don't realize it at a conscious level, if you're here, you came with an expected an expectancy to go home different. I prayed. He listened. I know He did. So if you're here, he allowed you to come because you had a hunger and an expectancy to go home different. You had to wait till Friday. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow. Let the Holy Ghost advance you. I said to Antioch three weeks ago, I think it was, this meeting is not going to be a step forward. It's going to be a great leap forward for those that will get into the spirit of it and receive the revelation that God has for them. It's not going to be a step forward. It's not going to be a little bit of progress. It's going to advance you in ways. It'll take months, maybe years for you to fully understand and grasp and experience how far you've been advanced. Not by me. Not by this church. Not by my voice. But by Jesus. Only Jesus. 
My God. My God. My God. My God. My, 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 my. That restlessness you've had down inside, that stirring you've had down inside, that dissatisfaction you've had down inside, that's the Spirit of the Lord. He's stirring up His nest as an eagle, eagle stirs up her nest to kick the young out of the nest so they'll fly. That's a st- stirring of the Holy Ghost. You're not backslidden. There's not anything wrong with you. It's God at work. He's stirring you up so you'll get out of the nest and fly. My God, my God, my God, my God. Those feelings inside you are not a product of your circumstances. They're a product of the Holy Ghost making you restless, unsatisfied, disrupting your life. Food doesn't taste as good as it used to. Sleep is not as good as it, or, as, or as fulfilling as it used to be. Nothing, nothing's right anymore. It's just everything seems to be a little off. You're not, you're not in sin. There's nothing wrong with you. That's the Holy Ghost. Come on, you that are watching this stream or watching this archive, I know how great God is and I know you're feeling what we're feeling right now if you're giving God any opportunity. Come on, respond. Come on, respond. Let God help you right now. He's no respecter of persons. When the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of ministry was put on the the 68 elders of Israel by Moses, the two that weren't in the camp, the same thing happened to them. They weren't in the camp, but the same spirit came on them. I don't begrudge the fact you're, you're not here. Jesus is trying to do the same thing for you that He's doing for us. But you've got to be willing to quit watching and start participating. Is it God everywhere? Is it He right where you are right now? It's just as well as He's in this building? The book says if you'll seek after Him, you'll find Him. Because He's not very far from any one of us. And that word seek in the Greek isn't to seek intellectually. It's to seek with the depth of your spirit and feelings. To seek. To feel. Reach. Come on. 
Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Sit down, let's, I'm going to teach a little bit. If you're praying, you're welcome to pray quietly. That's fine, but I'm going to teach. I was sitting there. The Lord was showing me this stuff, and I'm going, I, I, I thought I was going to explode. I just, I didn't have the ability to contain it. And, I, and the joy and excitement I had was just so beyond anything I'd ever experienced. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, this thought came to me, and I, I think I was prompted by the, the Lord to ask this question. I said, Lord, you're such a good, wonderful, kind, loving, just God. What did the angels and lost mankind do that was so bad and so offensive to you that you it within yourself could still feel and believe that you were just and right and loving and confine those angels and humans all that you had created to an eternal punishment so horrible that only a divine mind could have even thought it up. What did the angels do? What, did man, what has man done? And what are, what are we doing that you could still be a loving and just God and send them to hell for eternity? And he said to me, What was the original sin? And of course I repeated what I'd heard in Sunday school and had believed all my life. Pride. So he says back to me, where's that in my book? So I looked. And I'm here to tell you. There's not a single verse in the Bible where the word pride is used to the sin that took place in heaven. It's not there. They weren't kicked out of heaven because of pride. Oh, but he wanted to be like God. Yeah, but what did he want to be like to be like God? So I looked. He had put for me Ephesians chapter, no, excuse me, sorry, Ezekiel chapter 28. I think it starts with verse 14. Let's try that. We'll adjust when we get there. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. Thou watched upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Next verse. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created. Till iniquity was found in thee. Not pride. 
iniquity. Well, again, if you don't have anything but a Strong's, Greek, Hebrew dictionary, you'll find this at the, even at the most shallow efforts of studying the original languages, that the words in both Hebrew and Greek translated iniquity, iniquity basically all mean lawlessness. But iniquity is not lawlessness. That's the result of iniquity. How does someone become lawless? How does someone decide to participate in iniquity? Now you've got to understand something. This is the most fundamental revelation of what's wrong with mankind and understanding what's got to change that I've ever seen or read or heard in my life. Well, our problem is sin. No, no, that's not our problem. Sin is a result of our problem. So we read, I believe it's Isaiah 14, but we read where it says of Lucifer that he wanted to be like the Most High. Well, in light of last night's lesson that God is the everlasting God, from everlasting to everlasting, you're God. You were before, He's before the beginning, He's after the ending. He's every place and every time present simultaneously. Lucifer, even though he was, his substance was spirit, was a finite being, he wasn't stupid enough or arrogant enough to think he could be infinite. So when he, he didn't, he didn't want to be God. That's not what it says. He wanted to be like God. What was it that God did and was able to do that Lucifer wanted to be able to do? He wanted to be in control of his own life and make his own decisions. That's it? That's it. He, he declared his independence from the source by running his own life, making his own decisions, and wanting to be in control. Sound like anybody you know? I've looked that guy in the mirror. For 67 years. It is the most personally offensive thing. Any creature of God could ever do. It proves either that that. Creature is so arrogant that they are so blinded and deceived in their own minds that they don't know anything about God at all. Or 
that they're so stubborn and rebellious that they don't want to have to answer to him. Do you know why hell is going to be populated with good moral people? Because the good think they are the source of their good and they are good enough by themselves. They don't need God. So they are participating in the sin of iniquity, which is the most offensive thing you can do in relationship to God. You, you're not going to have time to put these on the screen. I'm not going to give the exact verses, so I'll just go through it. Psalms 5 says if I re- it, that he hates the worker of iniquity. What did, the, what did the message from the Lord say a while ago? That we would love what he loves and hates what he hates? The average person's prayer including the average prayer that the average Pentecostal prays in my lifetime, being around this, is actually a prayer of iniquity. Fix this, change this, do this, undo this. I don't like this. Do it like this. It's not the prayer of someone that needs help talking to someone who can help. It's the prayer of someone who's in control of their lives trying to demand a servant to fix what they don't like. And they call it prayer. And it's sin. Because Psalm 66 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Put Isaiah 59 and 1 on the screen for me, please. Behold the Lord's hand. Get ready to go to the Amplified in a moment. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and then go to the Amplified. Thanks. Just a little heads up. Behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Next verse. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Amplified verse 1, please. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened at all that it cannot save, nor his ear dull with deafness that it cannot hear. Next verse. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. This isn't talking about sinners. This is talking about people who think they're following God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Do you know why we even have to bother to encourage saved people to pray? Because saved people gave up on prayer long ago because it doesn't work. You know why it doesn't work? Because he doesn't listen to prayers that are prayed from control. 
He doesn't pray. He doesn't listen to prayers that don't like what he's doing. And we're telling him to fix it or we're going to tell him he doesn't love us. Because if you don't fix this, that means you don't love me. I love my mother. She went through some horrible things in her life. As a result of that, she spent her life trying to manipulate people into loving her. She spent her life trying to manipulate her kids into doing her will and and loving her. She really helped me spiritually, even though she was the saved one of my parents. Because she's caused something to rise up in me. And it's not her fault. I chose to do this. But she caused something to rise up in me. You can get me to do anything I need to do. Until you start trying to manipulate me. And put me on a guilt trip to get me to do it. And I don't care how important it is. And how much you think I ought to do it. Something's going to rise up inside of me. And say you know what. I don't care what the consequence is going to be. And how, even if I think it ought to be done, if you're trying to get me to do it by putting me on a guilt trip, I'm not going to do it just to prove I don't have to listen to you. I didn't say that was the right attitude. And here's the problem with that. You can't have that attitude toward people without transferring it to Jesus, without even knowing it. See that slab out there? When you came up on the hill? I don't know what else, what all the reasons were for that slab, but let me tell you what that slab did for me. Or what was on that slab that's no longer there. My birthday, February the 18th, 2003. I get a call at 8 o'clock in the morning. The building's collapsed. I designed this building. I, 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 Participate in helping oversee the building of it. I, I, I got blood, sweat, and tears in this building. And, and we'd gone 12 years without a building and the shame in the UPC. You don't have a church. I don't care how many people you got. You don't have a church if you, if you haven't built a building. That's all people want to know. Have you built a building yet? We prayed through thousands of people, but that didn't matter. We hadn't built a building yet, so we're failures. I promise you that's true. So we, we had to build a building, so we built a building. So all of this, this was the validation. This was the vindication. All of this. And I got memories on that slab over there. I can take you right now in those places on the slab where God said this and did this and fixed this one and said that. And this angel showed up there and I can take it. It's over there right now. One day to build a new building, we got to take that slab out. I'm waiting the last minute. I don't want those memorials in my mind to be gone so easy. Because I'm not going to be able to identify those spots as easy when we build back something over it. I was 57 years old. Had had the Holy Ghost since I was 12. And every day of my life, to some degree or another, especially saved day, saved day of my life, it was a battle between me and Jesus over who's going to be in control. And on those days that I would give up some or most of it, 
It was a negotiation. Okay, okay, okay. I'll give you control for 18 hours if you let me be in control of six. No. I, okay, I, I'll give you 20, uh, 21 hours if you let me be, be in control of three. Uh, okay, 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 okay. How about this? I'll let you be in control of 23 if you just let me be in control of one. Come on, Lord, that's a fair deal now, really. That's not even 10%. Ten, you said 10% is yours. Can't I have 10% as mine? I'm not even asking for 10%, just an hour. Uh-uh. Okay, 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 okay. 23 hours and 30 minutes, and I get 30 minutes to run. Lord, you're being unreasonable here. Okay, okay. 23 hours and 59 minutes, I give you control. And I get 60 seconds to do whatever I want, whenever I want. What I get 60 seconds to run. No deal. No deal. The Greek word translated spiritual, according to Thayer's and Vines, is defined as not only to be filled with the Spirit, but to be governed by the Spirit. And can't, God can't govern what's not surrendered to Him. So it is possible to be full of the Spirit and talk in tongues and be a worker of iniquity. Oh, I don't believe that. Really? Glad you asked. Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 21, please. Boy, you stepped right into that one, didn't you? Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So the man Christ Jesus got up every morning. First thing he did was find the will of the Father that day, and that's what he did all day. And now we're being told by him that that's the only way we can enter into the kingdom is to do the will of his Father, which is in heaven. Next verse. Many. I don't like that word, many. I wish he'd have said a few, or even some. But many means a lot. It implies a majority. Many will say to me in that day, oh, that word, that day, that's not, that's not a good deal. What day? The day of judgment. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And the Greek there is mighty miracles. Next verse. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. You say, well, how could he never knew them? Because the Greek there is, obviously the infinite of God knows everything. So it's not that he had no knowledge of them. The Greek is there. They never came into an approved relationship with him. They never grew into a relationship that he could approve of. 
them. You can't do the stuff they confessed they were able to do without having the Holy Ghost. And so just because you talk in tongues and you prophesy and cast out devils and do miracles doesn't mean you're saved. If you're running your life. Oh, Jesus. My. How about money? You know why money is the area in which we most obviously demonstrate our surrender or not surrender? Because there's no part of our lives that we claim more ownership of than our money. Our money. I give this part of my life and somebody pays me this amount of money for this part of my life. So that money it doesn't represent possessions to us. It represents the life that it cost us to have that. And this is mine. I'm holding my life in my hand here. I'm hold my, whatever my possessions are, I'm holding my life in my hands. I exchanged life for this. And to the degree that all of that is mine... And not his. That's the degree to which I'm surrendered to God. Are you saying I'm supposed to give everything? Yeah. That doesn't mean you put it in the offering. That means you give up control of it. You know why we preach tithes? Because of the hardness of people's heart. The Old Testament, 10% was, your, was God's, the rest of it was His. I mean, 10% was God, the rest of it's yours. You may give some offerings out of that at prescribed times of the year, but the rest of it's yours, do what you want to with it. New Testament, no, you're bought with a price. You're not your own. You don't belong. Everything you have, everything you do, everything you, you are, is nothing but things God has given you in its own deposit in the bank. And you're the bank. And he deposits that in you and leaves it there until he's ready for it. And when he writes a check and say, I want that. Yes, sir. Depositor. I'm going to cash this check because it's your money anyway. It's your money. Oh, see, we don't really want to reach the lost. There is way, way, if it was one person, it would be too much. But there's way, 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 way more than 50% of the church today. That only sees God as a way to get. Somewhere they have in their minds that he has promised to make their lives perfect. Heaven on earth. And the moment trouble comes, they're upset because he has failed them. And yet he said very upfront, John sixteen thirty three, These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall 
have. Tribulation, trouble, problem, pressure. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. These things I have spoken unto you that where? Where do we have peace? Where? In Him. In Him. That in Him we have peace. In the world, we're going to have trouble. It's guaranteed. There's not a person alive that can say God that God's word is not fulfilled in their lives. Because you know anybody who's never had any trouble? So the word of God is true in that point. In everybody's life, it's in existence. Because everybody's had trouble. And the Lord said everybody's going to have trouble. And there's nobody who's ever going to live a life without trouble. But the difference is whether or not I have peace. And the only way to have peace is if I'm in Him. And to be in Him, i got to get off the throne of my life and put Him on the throne. That's why Isaiah 96 calls Him the Prince of Peace. Because a prince is only potential. You want peace, you got to make Him the King. Which means give Him rule and dominion over you. Second Thessalonians says the spirit of our age is the spirit of iniquity. Ask any pastor anywhere. And in the context of this lesson, ask him what it is he struggles with the good people of God over the most. Iniquity. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'll come when I want to come. I'll show up when I want to show up. I'll leave when I want to leave. I'll dress like I want to dress. I'll give if I want to. If I don't want to, I'm not. I'll pray if I feel like it. I'll read if I want to. You're not telling me what to do. I will participate as I choose because I'm in control. Oh, and by the way, I'm saved. Well... (laughs) <laughs> the problem is that's the spirit of our age did you turn the air on or off to make it cooler uh, turn it off because I'm freezing I'm soaking Well, he's in the work, miracle working business. It wasn't me that told you to come up here and turn that down. That's right. My, my other half is warm. She's cold. Turn it off. We've got enough heat in here. You know, whatever. Anyway. So I asked the Lord what it was. This is what he said. Do you know the Antichrist is going to be the spirit of iniquity personified? How about the prayer of David's repentance? Psalms 51 and 1, please. David, David makes the most curious confession that you can't explain outside of the context of what I'm talking about right here. 
Have mercy upon me, O God, according to the, thy loving kindnesses, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee. The only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. That's what I asked the Lord. What is it that the angels and men have done that's so horrible that you can still be justified and be a loving God even though you confine them to eternal punishment in the most horrible of situations? David says it. Go back one more time. Verse 4. Against thee, the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Do you understand that in this context, every single sin you and I commit is only a symptom of the real problem? Iniquity. Because I can't sin and be free from iniquity. Because if I'm truly surrendered to God, is He going to lead me to sin? So the only way I can sin is to make decisions contrary to what pleases Him. Next verse. Behold, I was shaping... What? How was I shaping? In iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. You, you, you did what? He did what? To get David's attention, apparently God put him through something and he was injured. God made him lay down so God could talk to him. Anybody watching this from the bed? <laughs> Welcome to Call of War. <laughs> Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Don't go yet. No, 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 no. Okay. What happens to a person that truly repents of their iniquities? What does God do their life, through their lives? Let's keep reading now. Next verse. Restore me unto me the joy of my salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit and... Next verse. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Those who have truly repented, and repent means to change your mind and change your direction. Those who have truly repented of their iniquities put souls first in their lives. 
Uh, Let me drink something here. I choked on your response. I got a problem. I'm a really simple-minded person, and my faith is really simple. And if it says that, I just, I just kind of believe what it says. You know, I just, I, I don't know how to. I'm not. I haven't been educated in how to make the Bible say something different than what it says. I didn't go to that school. Now, there's plenty of them, but I didn't go to any of them. So all I know to do is take what it says. And what it says is, when David, David said, when I repent of all my iniquities, I'm going to teach transgressors and sinners are going to be converted. Because if I have received freely, I can't help but give freely. And whatever it is I receive freely, I want to give freely. So, dear brother, if you're having a hard time getting your people involved with the lost, it's not the lost you need to be preaching about. They need to repent of their iniquities. What did Jesus die for? Isaiah 53 and 1. What did Jesus die for? Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. For he, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. What is it that causes us to go astray? We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Stay there please. You feel that? That's revelation. You feel that? That's not intellect, that's revelation. All we like sheep have gone astray. How did we go astray? We have turned everyone to his own way. That's iniquity. So Christ was sacrificed in our place. How? The Lord laid on him. The iniquity of us all. Let's try Hosea 14, 1.
Did we just lose the signal? Okay. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Verse 2. Take with you words and turn to the Lord and say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. And when we do that, what are we going to do? So we, we so will we render the calves of our lips or the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Because you see, as we will talk about tonight, the reason people have to be pumped and pushed to praise and worship is because they haven't repented of their iniquities. Because people who have repented of iniquity and have been forgiven of iniquity can't help but praise God. Let's praise Him just a little bit right now. I don't have to... I don't have to pay the penalty for my iniquities. Jesus already paid the penalty. The Lord laid on Him the iniquities of us all. He died for my iniquities. He shed His blood for my iniquities. He has forgiven me of my iniquities. He has delivered me of my iniquities. That makes me want to glorify Him. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. My, 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 my. my. Hallelujah. 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 My, 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 my. Woo! My Hallelujah. 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 Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, like I said last night. 
You've been eating the solid food of the Word. Now let's drink some living water. Come on, we need to mix this Word with some living water. Come on, let the living water flow. If you don't know what to say, pray in tongues. The Bible says when you're praying in tongues, you're giving thanks well. 1 Corinthians 14 says when you're praying in tongues, you're giving thanks well. Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Ikata Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 The Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, is nor- you remain standing, is normally translated grace. At some point, <laughs> when I'm allowed to get to these scriptures in this set of notes, um, or in this file, because all it is is just four translations of Ephesians 1 through 3, Parallel to each other. When I get to that, you'll see that we talk about that a little bit, that the concept of grace is so perverted by most of Christianity. Grace is the empowerment by God to enable me to do what I cannot do myself. Which, of course, in order for grace to work, I have to give up iniquity because Grace cannot empower someone to do something that they haven't given control of that to God first. But on some occasions, the word in the King, King James New Testament, the, the word grace is translated thanks. And every Greek word, either giving thanks or thanksgiving, etc., has as its base root word, charis. So the only true 
thanksgiving that can be given to God is from those who have experienced grace and the same grace that empowers them to do. Philippians 2.13 is the purest definition of New Testament grace in the Bible and the word grace is not even in it. For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Maybe I'll get a chance to talk about that in more details later. Maybe not. It's God that is at work in me, first of all, even causing me to want to do what pleases Him. Because I can't even want to do what's pleasing to God without Him first stirring me and giving me the power to do it and me yielding to that. And then I cannot do which is pleasing to God because the Greek word there for do, and here I'm talking about it and then Planet talking about it, here it is. Uh, the word do there is the verb form of the Greek word dunamis, which is translated power. It is the verb for supernaturally being able to do something you cannot do yourself. So grace is God working in you First to cause you to want to do what's pleasing to Him and then enabling you to do what's pleasing to Him because you can't do that through your own flesh. Flesh can't please God. Romans 8 says that. They that mind the things of the flesh cannot please God. And the word there, cannot, in that verse, is the negative of this word here. means you don't have the supernatural ability to do what is pleasing to God because you're walking in the flesh. So those that have experienced biblical grace and have surrendered to God and they're not in control and they're letting God empower them to desire what is pleasing to Him and then enabling them supernaturally to do that, they are the ones who truly give thanks to God. Because they do it from a place of knowledge that the only reason they are who they are and are doing what they're doing is strictly God. Paul said it this way. What do you have that you did not receive? Everything you have, you received. So if you received it, why are you boasting in it? The one that needs to be bragged on is not the one that received it, but the one that gave it. Right. Praise God. So that's the reason why we offer the only offering in the New Testament that is an offering. And that's the offering of thanksgiving. Oh, let's give sacrificially tonight. That's an impossibility. Because you are owned. Everything you have belongs to God. You can't sacrifice something unless you have ownership of it. There are no New Testament sacrifices after the day of Pentecost except thanksgiving. The sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to God. Because everything else is from Him. And that's why. While we're sitting on those thrones, around His throne, with Him in the kingdom, in heaven. And we have these crowns of victory, crowns of life on our heads. 
we're all in mass going to fall down at his feet and take that crown and cast it at his feet. Because we know that while that is a victor's crown, we didn't win the victory. He won the victory for us and through us. Because if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Praise God. Praise God. 